Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to episode number 53 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, all here with you this week. And boys, it's good to be back. I apologize I had to miss last week. They'll say it was fake, folks, but... I, I am. Uh, I was on antibiotic, sinus infection, that time of year, things happen. You know, but you get through the All-Star break, it's a great time to rejuvenate, to refresh, and to come back better than ever. So we're all back as a crew here today. And, um, you know, I just got to start off by saying I look at the, the title of this week's podcast, uh, Andre Drummond is Terrorizing the League. And all I do is look at, I'm assuming Aaron came up with this title, with just major disappointment. You're just a hater. You're just a hater. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about what Andre Drummond has been doing lately. All right, so first things first, no need for Brendan's fake apologies. Right. Second, in the last 10 games, <laughs> Andre Drummond has absolutely been terrorizing the league. But let's move on. But And on one final thing, thanks for being here, Brendan. You know, I know you're yeah, thanks the for being almighty... Here, when you when you show up and do your one you know one episode a week thing, you're just this almighty person, leading fierce leader of this crew. But we really appreciate you taking your your very important time to come on and join us this week. I'll tell you what, I'll bet you ten bucks right here on the podcast that numbers increase this week from last week, knowing that I'm back. We'll see about that. <laughs> it's a bold assertion. Yeah, I'll take my ten bucks. Cash or check, or over lunch. Anyways, uh, you know, so All-Star Weekend, right? Team LeBron makes a nice comeback. Just uh, insane second half, the run they went on to come back and win the All-Star game over Team Giannis. And there were a lot of highlights. Blake Griffin had himself a nice little All-Star game as well. We'll get into that. But, um, you know, before we do that, I want to kind of focus on the Pistons, and then we'll transition to the All-Star game. The Pistons sit in the eighth seed right now here at the All-Star break, and it's kind of time to analyze where do they go from here? Where do they stand? You know, Miami lost last night. That gives Detroit a solid standing in eighth place in the Eastern Conference. Where do they go? There was a poll online that says your 26 and 30 Pistons will win either 12 to 14 games, 15 plus games, 10 to 11 games, or less than 10 games over their next 26. I feel like we're all in a similar boat here, but the final poll results came in. 47% of the vote says 12 to 14. But a close second place, 42% of the vote is optimistic and says that they will win 15 plus and then 9% vote for 10 to 11 and 1.5% say that they will win less than 10 games so Pistons fans most of them are feeling like that they'll the Pistons will stay right on par right in the you know 500 maybe a little bit above range you know they can win 
12, 13 games, 26 left, right? But there's a decent percent of them that are pretty optimistic as well. And Ryan, I'll start with you in terms of your stance on that poll. With 26 games to go and what's considered a a relatively easy schedule for the Pistons down the stretch, where do you see them falling? So that poll is about a 60-40 split almost on 13, 12, 13 wins and less compared to the 15. Mm-hmm. So it's an optimistic crowd, I would say, given the history of the Pistons. My stance is that there are 17 winnable games for the Pistons on that. Uh, in the, in the in this last stretch. But what do I think they'll do? They'll win about 12 of them. I think that's kind of the sweet spot. 12 and 14 is where we're going to go the rest of the season. Unless Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson play the way they've been playing for the last 10 games, 12 games, whatever it's been for Reggie Jackson where he's really turned it on and feeling good about himself. Unless they come out with that every night, then they'll win those 17 games that I think are winnable on that schedule. But if it's just a regular ups and downs of the season like we've been seeing with the Pistons, they're hovering in that 12-win spot. Yeah, I voted in the 12-14 to 14 spot as well. You can still go vote on the poll if you're interested. It's up on palaceofpistons.com. I voted in the 12-14 to 14 spot. I lean closer to 14, I think, just with their schedule. According to Tankathon, they have the sixth easiest schedule remaining in the NBA. I think, well, you mentioned they have 17 winnable games in your eyes. I right there with you. I think that I lean closer to 14, but I don't think they can do better than 14. I think that 12 to 14 spot is really just a sweet spot for this group. And, you know, if Andre Drummond and if Reggie Jackson play the way that they were playing for the last 10 or so games before the All-Star break, then yeah, maybe Detroit could get to 14 or 15. But we know that the Pistons are going to drop a couple winnable games. It's what they do. And we know they'll likely win a game or two that they shouldn't win. That's just what the Pistons are. It's what they do every year. So that'll balance itself out. For Detroit's sake, they need to win as many games as possible because they're only, I believe, a game and a half back of the sixth seed right now. So that's still in play. But Brooklyn is going to be tough to take off from the sixth seed. They just recently got a Karis LeVert back. Reports came out yesterday that Spencer Dinwiddie has been progressing greatly on the basketball court, so he'll be back. So that Brooklyn team is only getting healthier. They're only going to be at a stronger strength. So Detroit's going to have to play really strong down the stretch here. I think when you look at the schedule, you look at some of the teams they face, they see uh, Phoenix, they see New York, they see Cleveland twice, they see Chicago twice. There are so many for pretty much for sure wins that... I think they can. They will pretty much for sure get to 12, but I think they're going to hit their 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 climax would be 14. This this is a about 500 team. That's what these uh, first 56 games have shown us. This is an about 500 team. 26 game left. They're going to go 12, 13, 14 wins. They're going to continue on their path. Nothing is going to change about this team, I, in my opinion. Yeah. They are who they are at this point in the season. Yeah, it's a, when I'm, I'm looking at this, Ryan, 17 winnable games on here is a real generous take, in my opinion. I, I You know, the pessimist in me would say 10 to 11. The optimist in me would say 12 to 14. I know there's not a lot of wiggle room there. Um, I see 10 guaranteed wins on the final stretch. 
which that means that they will win one or two that they probably you know, either shouldn't or maybe in a tough stretch. I, I think 12 is a very reasonable number looking at it. I would not be surprised to see them go 10-16 and 16 to finish out the year. Um, that doesn't mean they... It, it really depends on Drummond and Jackson. And one thing that we have never been able to rely on during their tenure in Detroit is consistency. They just don't have consistent play. They're going to be riding in waves. Reggie rides in waves, and you know that Drummond some nights is one of the best centers, if not the best center in the league, and other nights it's like, why is Andre even on the floor? So I'll agree with your point that if Reggie and Andre maintain their level of play that they had over the you know, the last you know 10 games going into the All-Star break, then sure, the Pistons have a chance to, I, I think, cap out at 14 wins you know, out of their final 26. But I'm just not sold that we will see that consistent play because we have never seen that before. It could change. I'm just not sold that it will because we've never seen it. I happen. really don't think it's generous to say 17 wins their 17 winnable games. I don't think that's generous at all, to be honest. I think that's a pretty fair statement looking at this schedule. I mean, the Pacers twice, or three times, excuse me. Yeah, No Victor Oladipo. They can win one or two of those games. Uh, the Hawks, the Heat, those should be wins. San Antonio, I won't give them at San Antonio. Cleveland, that should be a win. Both games against the Raptors are losses, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, Minnesota, they can beat Minnesota and should beat Minnesota. The Bulls twice should both be wins. They play Brooklyn March 11th. That's a toss-up. That's a winnable. If it's a toss-up, that means it's a winnable game. The Heat, toss-up, winnable game. The Lakers at home, toss-up, winnable game. Cleveland, Phoenix, wins. Portland, at Portland, loss. Hold on. This is that stretch now. That road stretch. I think they can win the first two games of their road trip uh, beginning on March 18th when they go to Cleveland and then they go to Phoenix. No, Portland, Golden State, Denver, losses. That's three straight. That's three straight. Now you've already got five losses if you're counting both Toronto. They're not going to go to OKC and win. You're already at six losses that you can guarantee. Hey, I, I didn't argue they're going to win schedule. 17. I said they're 17 winnable games. Sure. But, I, I, you know, I don't. there's already your six that are unwinnable on just a, right a there. glance. Okay, so that's 19 games remaining. And then... I don't think Oklahoma City's a win at Oklahoma City, and then there was one more in here at that San I Antonio's not. I, I and don't... that's the at San Antonio. There you go. After that, everything else is winnable. Seventeen games. I don't really think this is that much of a debate. I think you could say there are 16, 17 winnable games on this schedule. That's not saying Detroit's going to win sixteen that's or not. seventeen. Games. Absolutely it's not. Say it's that they should compete in sixteen to seventeen games, and they should they will win some of them. And you know they're going to sneak one of those lose those games we're marking down as losses. I, they're going to sneak. One I think of those. one of them. Yeah. I think one of them will be Toronto because Detroit wants to play up for Dwayne Casey, and we we know that that's a personal vendetta. That's a team vendetta against that Raptors team. We know how that went earlier in the year when they faced Toronto. They won on a buzzer beater. You get them on March third in Detroit. You're going to see Detroit play up just like they did for the first time, just like they did when Blake Griffin played the Clippers. They will play up to the Raptors. They can beat. But them we also know, on like, especially a, since the Raptors have not been playing as well as they started the season. We also know though a game like a back to back, yeah, Monday the 11th in Brooklyn. If Brooklyn continues to play well, that's like a trap game on the schedule. You know, I'm interested to see. I, I just can't at this point in the season. I can't buy into trap games. Blake Griffin, if he's the leader, we think we we all think he is. 
He has to have this team locked in every night, and he has to be locked in every night. Yeah, so this is the stretch where there's no trap game. There's no, hey, we can give it up tonight because we don't need to play hard. You are in the eighth seed, barely hanging on, but you're only a game and a half out of the sixth seed. And you don't want to play Milwaukee in the first round because that's going to be a first-round sweep, if not five-game series. You're right. At best. At, at best. best. I, no, you don't want to see Milwaukee. I refuse to believe Blake Griffin at this point in his career as the leader of this team and Dwayne Casey as a seasoned vet can't get this team more locked in. Because if they can't get locked in, then what are we doing? Just lose. But that's why, when you look at their last 10 games, we've seen a much different and a much better that's team. That's what, yeah. Because as a whole, the team is locked in. Blake's still balling. Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson are balling. Then you have some of these other guys. Luke Kennard's been more consistent. You know, you bring in a guy like Thon Maker. He's not going to put up a ton of points, but he's going to be a consistent rebounding threat, a defensive rim protector. You have these different guys in the fold now as well, and then you get your usual production from your bench pieces, sometimes shaky, sometimes good. You guys, I'm sorry, go ahead, Aaron. Finish your but point. this is a team that, yeah, we do pretty much know what this is, and we've seen them play 56 games this year, so I think we know that they're going to compete in some of these games, and then they'll lose some the of these The things games. we know is Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, if they're locked in, will be very... Will play very well. Blake's going to be Blake. Luke's going to do Luke things off the bench, and Tom Maker's going to provide that spark. I think the wild card and the key to a lot of this is how does Wayne Ellington come out of this All Star break? It's huge mm-hmm. because the Pistons need more spacing, and that's a guy that they've given a lot of shots to in his first two games. Hasn't shot it particularly well, but in I'd say like the fourth quarter against Boston, he started to knock down a couple of shots. And you, if you can get him to make shots at the clip that he has over his career. That's a big help. That for changes the entire dynamic. Can you have a wing score like Ellington that you can pair with Kennard, or you can have one of them off, one of them on, then the other one goes to the bench, the other one comes on. That's a they, nice balance that this Detroit team didn't have in the first they half. They need Wayne Ellington to come on in the worst way because as much as you and I stand for Luke Kennard and want him to start, at this point in the season, with the chemistry this team has, he has to stay on the bench and be the offensive leader from the bench. The primary scorer, the playmaker to team up with Ish. Because it, it can't just be Ish going out with Bruce Brown, who can't shoot and score. Thonmaker, who's not going to get you points. Zaza, who's not going to get you points. And whoever, Langston Galloway, who's just throwing the ball at the basket. He's not even shooting. There's no offensive threat at all in that second unit. Wayne Ellington is so important to give you that wing score in the starting lineup. Because I'm fairly positive your starting lineup is going to stay Wayne Ellington and Bruce Brown at some point here. They did start Luke Kennard in the they last did. game they before the break. They did. And I thought he fit in well. He fit in very well. So Look at really what happened to the bench. the bench. He's the bench leader right, right. now. I'm, in the future going forward, if they do decide to bring Wayne Ellington back this offseason, I'm all about getting it figured out to the point where Wayne Ellington and, Bruce, or, um, and Luke are your starters. I'm all about that tandem. And then you can figure the bench out in the offseason, how to get the offensive pieces going. But where this team is right now and how they function, Luke Kennard is the playmaking, scoring threat off the bench. You take that away, the bench dies. One other guy that we could see coming off the bench, and Dwayne Casey has said this before, so we'll see if it actually happens, but he did say we could start seeing some more Kyrie Thomas here. That would be an indication that Langston Galloway is starting to fall out of the rotation. Uh, so that's something to keep note of because we know Thomas can shoot the ball uh, as a good wingspan, can defend. That's a prospect that I like a lot for Detroit. I mean, so we'll see. I, I, 
I hope Detroit can come out and find that balance on the wing because it, that's just the the wild card for them right now. If they could find Kyrie or even Svee, if one of those guys came and stepped up to get into the rotation as a scorer, like you said, Kyrie can shoot. What's Svee known as a scorer and a shooter? If one of them can come on, then you can plug Luke Kennard and Wayne Ellington in there together. If Wayne Ellington comes on. This is all contingent on if Wayne Ellington comes along. I, I mean, endless possibilities, but so much needs to fall the right way. So final prediction on on the wins. I'm in the 12 to 14 boat, leaning more so towards the 14 than the 12. I'm, I'm right in the middle at 13, honestly. Yeah, same. I ditto. I'm 12 to 14, kind of leaning more toward 12, but I'll go 13. So we're talking about you know all this. You kind of look at where the Pistons stand. Um, and one thing we've talked about is Andre Drummond and how good that him and Reggie played over the last 10 games. Well, just to look at Andre, over the last 10, Detroit won 6-4. and four. Well, he averaged 20.5 points, 14.4 boards, 1.8 blocks, and 1.8 steals per game, shooting 66% from the floor, 71% from the free throw line. Those are pretty good numbers. When Andre Drummond can just flow within the offense, not command touches, but just get his points as they naturally come to him and allow his playmakers to work, that's when he's at his best. We saw that over the last 10 games before the break. Makes a huge difference. If Dre does continue to do that, then this guy can be pretty damn good. Yeah, and this is all contingent on Dwayne Casey finally unleashing the pick and roll. That's why we've seen both Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond soar in their play. The pick and roll is the bread and butter of this Detroit Pistons team. It's been the bread and butter of this Detroit Pistons team when they've been healthy for the past four seasons. We know Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond have the dynamic tandem in the pick and roll. They are just so special because... Jackson has a very good ability to get into the lane, has a strong floater, can get to the rim. He's shown even some more athleticism this season. And Andre has such a presence as a lob catcher and strong finisher that you have to guard him as well. That's when your shooters, Wayne Ellington, Luke Kennard, and even Blake Griffin, because Detroit has also run some pick and roll that has featured Blake Griffin as a third man in it, whether it be off a high post action or him setting up the initial pass to go into the pick and roll. You have Blake Griffin's gravity on the floor now that adds a completely different dynamic to the pick and roll. We've seen the Pistons play better because Dwayne Casey has let Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson run loose in the pick and roll. That's when Andre's shots are effective. That's when they're efficient. That's why he's shooting 66% from the floor. Because he's running the pick and roll more, he's getting lobs. He's getting open finds inside where he can lay it up or just throw it down. That's when you're going to be your most efficient with him on the floor. And when you have him locked in like that, it's not a surprise that he's picked up his play defensively. He's altering more shots at the rim. He's shooting better from the free throw line. Because we know with Andre Drummond, when he's confident, when his when he's there mentally, his entire game picks up, and he is a beast on the court. You look at those statistics, and sometimes you just expect Andre Drummond to do that. But those are such gaudy numbers that that he's actually doing that, and we're seeing the results that the Pistons have had. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. Probably could have won a few of those games that they ended up losing. This is a team that's trending in the right direction, and Andre Drummond has been a huge part of it. The way he has played... It's just, if if he could do that, 
all the time how special this team could be. That's why we were saying before the season began, I really think Detroit could host a, a playoff seed, or a playoff series. I really think Detroit could be a five seed because they're playing at that level when they're when they're doing what they do best and when they're healthy. When they're healthy and running the pick and roll, Blake Griffin is doing his thing. The Pistons succeed, and Andre Drummond has been an absolute beast lately, and he deserves all the credit because I know personally I was very hard on Andre Drummond. But since he came back from his injury, he has been a force. And he absolutely deserves all the credit he's received. No, this podcast in general has been very tough on Andre Drummond. Because we expect him to be the best. Do we not? He has the ability and the talent to be the best all the time. And that's that's a high standard to hold someone to? Sure. But there's nothing wrong with high standards. High standards are great. High standards are what make people great. And this podcast has just had a really high standard for Andre Drummond because he's shown he can play at that level, especially these last 10 games he's shown that. It needs to stay consistent. If it does, you will see Detroit find their way into the playoffs. Can I ask a question? And I think Aaron may bite my head off for asking this, but I still have to put it out there. Do we think Andre's level of play had anything to do with some spark of motivation by not making the all-star game feeling like he got snubbed going out trying to make a statement before the all-star break uh, possibly even be a, if something happened you know a guy that could be considered as a reserve fill-in um, you know do we think that there was some motivation there that could wear off now that the all-star break is over is there a chance that that's a possibility I, I think for sure Andre was motivated by being snubbed from the All-Star game. I'm sure that played No, 100% a factor, he was. But he was. I don't think I think when you what we've heard him say recently and he's talked about him needing to be more consistent and we see the way he's actually played, I don't think it's something that's just going to wear off because of one factor. I mean, we talked about he got a few games of rest and he came back, looked energized, had his head in the game, and now he just had another week off. To, to do the same thing, rejuvenate, get your head right. And that's important for players. It, it really is. It does bring an effect because we see teams get hot right after the All-Star break. I mean, hey, look at the Pistons when they made the playoffs in the 2015-2016 season. It's because they were so good in the second half of the season that they only lost single-digit games. That, that All-Star break really can make a difference. And if Andre comes out like he did the last time he missed a stretch of games or had some time off, it's going to be great for the Pistons. Yeah, the All-Star break can do one of two things. It can rejuvenate you and spark you to um, you know, feel refreshed and be good in the second half of the season. The flip side is it can also kill your momentum. And uh, you got to be hopeful for Detroit that the momentum they build up before the All-Star break and the level of play you saw to Reggie and, John, uh, Reggie and Andre excuse me, before the All-Star break you have to hope that that doesn't die off now that there's been that week of rest, that week of non-intensity, uh, that week of non-game days. You know, I think that that's a valid concern you at least have to recognize. No, absolutely. Um, obviously, they're putting up shots every day. And every day these guys are playing ball throughout this break. But my biggest concern is Reggie Jackson falls off his heater from outside his outside mm-hmm. shooting. I mean, the guy, every time he's been putting it up the last 10 games or so, he believes it's going in, and it seems like it's going in every time he pulls up. Yeah. 
from the elbow and out to the three. Every time he pulls up for a J, it seems like it's going in, and he has that confidence. And like I said, they're playing every day, but like you said, it's not game day preparation. It's not game day mentality. My biggest concern would be Reggie Jackson falls off the heater he's been on in terms of his jump shooting. Yeah, that's a, and it's a very valid concern to have. Um, so we'll have to kind of see what Detroit does. You know, they've got a nice scheme, I think, to, to tune up versus Atlanta. You know, obviously you're on the road, but you're playing a team that you should be able to, you know, have your way with and get yourself back in a rhythm. And if you have that cold shooting night, work your way out of it. Can I just say, I think tonight's game will tell us everything we need to know about the rest of the way. You think so? I think so. This is a lower-level team. Yeah. What has Detroit consistently done in the past? Played down. Played down to a lower-level team. If Detroit comes out hot, aggressive, hey, we're putting our foot on their throat and we're burying them early, and then they don't let them back in the game later, and Detroit wins this game by 15, 20, plus whatever it may be, a real, if this wasn't even a game, that's a good sign. I think a game where the Hawks are just hanging around, hanging around, beating you, beating you, and you might have to come back and win or you lose is going to set this team back and th- big time. And this is a team that they've already lost to once this season. Yes. So Detroit, they have to come out and they need to put the throat on, or they need to put their foot on the throat of the Hawks early because tomorrow they have their most important game of the season to date. Against yes. the Miami Heat, yes. season series tied 1-1. Miami's right there with them for one of the final spots in the Eastern Conference playoff race. They need to come out and destroy the Hawks early on so Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and whoever else is going to play big minutes tomorrow can get rested. This game tonight tells us where their focus is. Blake Griffin says we're locked in and we're just going to have at it. If they lose tonight, they're obviously not locked in. And how can you be confident? In anything? I get it's one game, but this is a huge stretch if you want to make the playoffs. Right. It's time to start playing some grown man ball. And if they come out tonight flat and unimpressive and lose or win a really tight game that they just look like crap the entire time, how can you be confident in that? Fun fact, last time the Pistons played the Atlanta Hawks, the Hawks won 98-95. to And any guess who Detroit's leading scorer was and with how many points? Any oh, guess? Man. It's not going to be Blake Griffin. I feel no. like Blake Griffin's had a couple low-scoring nights. I think that was one Hawks. of them. That was definitely one of them. Uh, f- Blake had 15. He was not the leading scorer. So I'm going to say it was Reggie Bullock. How many points? Mm, 21. Okay. I'm in agreement it was probably Reggie Bullock. It was probably around 22-23. Wrong. Wrong. Langston Galloway with 18. Oh, my goodness. Langston. <sighs> if Langston Galloway is your leading scorer tonight, you'll know exactly Next where topic. the Pistons are headed. Oh, man. I'm just saying, I think tonight as a tone setter is real, real big for this team. The thing I think you could see tonight, though, is that the Pistons don't give it tonight they work out of a shooting funk because they know what tomorrow means and I could see them looking solely ahead to Miami but it goes to my point earlier there's no games off anymore you're right final oh I don't disagree there's no looking ahead every game matters at this point point. and that's what Blake Griffin and the team came out and said Rod Beard posted an article today with a quote Blake Griffin saying that the Pistons weren't were going to come out and they weren't going to play down to lesser teams they were going to come out and they were going to play them just like every other game which I mean for a team that's hanging on to the final spot in a poor Eastern Conference like you should have already had that mentality but they need to actually stick to their word and and play like it this time around well 
you say a poor Eastern Conference. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, it is. But I would say the top five seeds are all a lot better than they've been. Sure, in the past. but I'm talking about like it's those a top bottom. Heavy. Yes, the bottom. You know, three seeds. The sixth the, seed is still very realistic. Detroit's two games out of the sixth sure. seed. Yeah, sure. That's got to be if you're going to push for the playoffs. That's got to be the goal. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. And they. They have enough talent to get there. They just have to outplay Brooklyn, who's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, as we you know get towards the end of the pod here. Let's take a look back on All Star Weekend. Um, you know, you look at the 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 thoughts right and the results. Hamadou Diallo wins the dunk contest. Jason Tatum wins the skills contest. Joe Harris uh, defeats both Currys in the three point contest. And then we mentioned earlier the Team LeBron comeback against Team Giannis. Blake Griffin, of course, on Team Giannis had himself a nice little game in the All-Star Endeavor. Um, Overall, kind of a fun weekend. I thought the game was really entertaining. And I know some people won't watch it because they go, well, it's 170-something, 170-something. What is that? There's no defense. The highlights in the game, the way you see those guys interact, the way you see the personalities come out, to me as a fan of the league, somebody that watches you know, the Pistons but also watches other teams play and cares about some of the you know, different you know, different personnel across the league. I think it's one of the coolest things when you can see these guys kind of come together and make some highlight real plays and have just a good time playing ball for one night. Yeah, for once, Brendan, you and I are in agreement. I enjoy All-Star Week and I enjoy the All-Star Game. Uh, my favorite part of it has to be the three-point contest. I think that should be the showcasing event on Saturday night over the dunk contest. Just The dunk contest isn't what it used to be. The dunks just aren't as good, and I, it's not a really it's not even as much of a slight against a dunk contest as it is that the three point contest is just so fun. The dunk contest is gonna for it to be the top event, it's gonna have to be big names. It's gonna have to be your Aaron Gordons, your Zach Levines. Then you gotta get someone like LeBron or Giannis, a big name, Donovan Mitchell. You gotta get those level guys to perform in that kind of event. Because these names, these younger players that you just haven't heard of, aren't going to have the similar draw that those other names would have. But the three-point contest, an absolute blast. Glad they put Dirk in it. Um, You look at Joe Harris winning that. I mean, white guys can shoot. He did it. He beat the Curry brothers. He beat Devin Booker. He beat the best shooters in the league. And... Uh, you know, he earned it. I thought that was really fun. It's, I like the money ball rack. I think that adds a nice element to it. The skills ta- skills challenge was actually not that bad. I wasn't, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it just because it's such a quick event. But I actually thought it was cool. I liked watching the half-court shots. Uh, I, I thought that was an interesting part to it. But over, overall, I, I enjoyed All-Star Weekend. I mean, the game was okay. It wasn't bad. It was entertaining. It had the highlights that were fun. You know, it's not the most... Sim- you know, uh, aggressive game or competitive game. It gets competitive late. But, I mean, you know, it had its good moments. It was fine. I didn't catch a ton of All-Star Weekend outside of that. Um, for the dunk contest, though, you do need the bigger names, like Aaron said. I absolutely agree. But also, it's not even on the – it's almost not even on the dunkers at this point. How much more creative can we get? Right. How much more can the human body really do? We've seen a lot of different things. The dunk contest has been going for years and years and years now. How much more creative can we really be? Right. You almost are going to have to start seeing like, copycat we, efforts. We, we talk about how, Aaron, and it's not even like you said the dunks were okay. Honestly, the dunks were mind-blowing that these guys can do these type of things. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, we 
we've already seen this stuff. Right. To the point where it says, like, oh, that's whatever. You know what I mean? That's what it is. It's just... Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can do with hey, the dunks, you know what I mean? When the best dunk of All-Star Weekend did not happen in the dunk contest, that says enough for you. Because that Giannis alley-oop from Curry, where he got up 14 oh, that was crazy. feet. That was crazy. Nutty. Amazing. That was so that I mean that was fantastic. So seeing those guys put that kind of showcase on is fun and it's entertaining and you know it's just a good watch, you know, if you want to watch it on mm-hmm. a Sunday night. Three point contest, I like I said, didn't see it, but that's always exciting. I love the three point contest. Skill contest, Aaron said it's quick, and it is quick, but go, once again, I think it's a good contest. It's just a dunk contest. What more can people do for right. dunks? And you got to wonder: is there something that you know? Is, you got ch- maybe you change I mean, the event? This this isn't NBA Live 06 where you can have your guy do two cartwheels, a backflip, and do a 720 in the air, and then throw it down twice between his legs. This isn't a video game. We right. can't do this stuff. We we've seen pretty much all we can see. Mm-hmm. Every dunk, honestly, is a 50, but we're just not used to it. I mean, we're overly used to it now. We're overly saturated. Now it's like. That dunk is a 50, but I've seen that 100 times, so that's a 25. You know what I mean? It's just not quite there anymore. The allure, the magic, it's just not quite there. Yeah, not as, not the same as the Vince Carter days. Dwight coming when that stuff out with was the brand Superman new. cape. You know, Blake with the Kia. It, okay, by the way, I saw some hate on Blake for that dunk. Someone talked about Blake jumped over the um, lowest part of the car. And I mean, like... Come on, he jumped over a freaking car, he man. Jumped over the car. Yeah. I, there's nothing will ever be good enough. And the people who hate on that are people who can't don't have a ten inch vertical. Right. Who can't jump. Right. Who have trouble walking up steps because they have such a low, low vertical. That's the people hating on it. So you can't even pay attention to that. Like hate about John Collins like destroying the plane yeah. he tried to jump over. Yeah. Don't hate on a guy jumping over a car, even <laughs> if it was the lowest part of it. Like that's still insane. Well, quickly here. Kind of rapid fire. Couple improvements that you guys are looking for the Pistons to make as we now approach the second half of the season. Twenty-six games left on the schedule. Twenty-six and thirty overall. A half game up in the eighth spot of the Eastern Conference. They've obviously got to win games. They've obviously got to make some improvements. Aaron, I'll start with you. Couple improvements Detroit has to make. Yeah, I think it all starts on the offensive side of the floor for Detroit, and lately they have been doing better with it in. February through six games, they've had their best month statistically scoring the basketball, averaging over 114 points per game. Assist-wise, they rank 26th in the league in assists per game. But in February, they've had their best month with assists, 23.8 per game on just 14.2 turnovers per game. So that's been very good. They're plus 7.8 in February, but for me, it's all about the offense continuing to play strong, continuing to improve. They've also had their best shooting month in February. They're at 39% right now. I assume they'll cool off because their second best month was 34.4% from the three-point line, but it's all about finding continuity and consistency within the offense, scoring the ball, moving the ball, and shooting the ball. they got to head in the right direction that way because they rank in the bottom part of the league in all of those categories. I mean, I'm, I'm in lockstep with Aaron. The offense needs to improve. Um, I'm going to base mine off the basis that Wayne Ellington's in the starting lineup and Luke Kennard stays with the bench uh, bench mob. We need more consistent shooting out of the wings in the starting lineup, uh, i.e. Wayne Ellington. And we need to see the bench grow and improve too. You need Ish and Luke Kennard to find a dynamic that's real strong together, and they need to lead the bench. And the pick and roll on the offense with the starting lineup, with Reggie, with... Uh, Dre needs to stay consistent, needs to keep hammering it home with them because that's when those two feel their best 
That's when they're their most comfortable, and that's when wins will be provided. I think Detroit, one thing that they're going to have to do a better job of is I'd like to see them score and transition more. I think if they can push the ball, get out on the open floor, that allows them more space to be made when you get into the half-court sets with your pick-and-rolls. you got to you know worry about Andre running the floor. I think if Detroit's able to do that, utilize their kickout options and find a way to salvage that bench. And Ryan, you were talking about Luke Kennard earlier being the the offensive leader on that bench. If they're able to find some production, if they're able to get Langston Galloway going like he was earlier in the year, they're going to have to just find a way to make it work with the bench, but they're going to have to get that first unit running the floor. I think if you can wear a team down early in the game, you're going to put yourself in a great spot. I think outside of Wayne Allen, because I think it's crucial... The most crucial person for the Pistons coming down the stretch is Luke Kennard. A consistent Luke Kennard. You're going to get what you get out of Blake, without a doubt. You're going to get what you get out of Drummond. You're going to get what you got out of Reggie. Those guys are going to do their thing, I believe. Outside of that, what do you have to believe in? What do you have that's leading you? When those guys are on the bench taking their breaks, or maybe they're having a bit of an off night, who's going to be consistent? Who's going to be the one to carry the team? I think Luke Kennard is paramount in this final stretch. So Detroit sitting in the 8th seed. We'll see how they do. Starts tonight in Atlanta. Then they go to Miami. A couple big games to start off the second half of the season. And Detroit looking to make that push. Again, the poll, 47% of you saying that they will win 12-14 to 14 out of their final 26 games on the schedule before the postseason begins. So with that... We appreciate everybody that's tuned into the Palace of Pistons podcast this week. Before you go, don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. You can follow Aaron at A. Johnson NBA, at Ryan, at Ryan Pay, myself, at Media Brendan. Check out the website, palaceofpistons.com. Instagram, Palace Pistons. We're on Facebook as well. Go ahead and like the Palace of Pistons Facebook page. A lot of good content coming out. We're continuing to grow. And guess what? I've got my bet in place with Aaron still. Ten bucks that these numbers will increase with my return to the podcast this week. So we appreciate all of you tuning in. We will see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.